Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, I'm Lee Campbell, and you're listening to Get Me Pregnant, your no BS guide to assisted fertility. And we're back for season three. And this season, we're sharing stories of the mental load of infertility. A truth universally acknowledged by anyone struggling with infertility is that babies and pregnant people are everywhere. In the grocery store, at the park, at doctor's appointments, on the train. And sometimes it's not just strangers, but loved ones and people close to you. And then there are baby showers and birthdays and christenings and name days and first birthdays. And all the while, you are dealing with a sometimes painful, sometimes very private battle with infertility. So how the hell do you deal with it? And how do you set up healthy boundaries to make sure you're looking after yourself? Today, we're speaking to IVF counsellor Melissa Stevens, all about when pregnancy is everywhere, but you're not. But first, let's hear from our guest, Amy Rapsey. Amy Rapsey began IVF after finding out a medical condition she lives with was affecting her fertility. After several years, she welcomed her now 10-year-old daughter, Ellie, but sadly was unable to conceive a second time. And Amy joins us now. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for joining me. And I wanted to firstly start by asking, can you walk me through your fertility journey? So I've been with my husband for a very long time. We took 10 years to get married and I was very business minded. And so a lot of the, you know, baby making kind of got put to the side for a little while. I was 31, kind of realizing, you know, as you're getting older, that it's going to take a bit of time. But we got married and then started to try and just really wasn't happening for us. So we jumped on and saw some doctors and specialists quite early, I guess, 12 months into trying. But all the tests, they said, I think you're really going to need to go the full IVF journey, which is a bit heartbreaking when you think that you can't, you know, do it naturally, get things working. But they were all lovely and helpful. We had our first cycle, which ended in a bit of heartbreak. We got embryos and we got to the day of transfer and we were ready to go and we got a phone call saying, you don't need to come in, there are no embryos left. They all kind of failed before they got to day five. So we got lots of lovely eggs and we got embryos, but a lot of them just wouldn't progress. So it took us four egg collection cycles to get pregnant with Ellie. She is going to be 10 in November and we are very lucky to have her, I think. She's our little, little miracle baby. And we tried again after having her not too long. I think we waited about six months and we did another six egg collection cycles after that. So altogether we went through 10 egg collection cycles and 
I think there were kind of two tipping points for me. One was I had a really lovely acupuncturist who was really helpful when we were going through cycle. And she said to me, if you have the money and you have the time, make sure that you don't stop until you get to what you think is the end point. Because she said the worst thing that she sees is people who stop and then a few years later think that, oh, actually, I'm really not done. So she said, you really need to just keep going and pushing through until you get to that point where you are done. And the other kind of really final point for me was seeing the specialist and having him say, look, I've had you on alternate, you know, medication, experimental medication. He said, you know, I've really done everything for you, that all the tools in my box are empty. So he said, we can keep trying and it is the numbers game. But he said, I can't give you anything different. And he also said, he said, you know, you have really having only one child is not the worst thing in the world. You have to choose now if you can be happy with just one. And I think we got to that point where I kind of was like, it takes over your life a little bit, the IVF journey. And so the focus on the baby that you've tried so hard to get gets a little bit pushed to the side. And I kind of got to that point where I was like, I think my body has had enough. I think we've put enough effort and work into it. You do have to get to that point kind of in yourself where you're happy to say, I'm okay to close the book. I can relate to so, so much of that. The amount of rounds about learning to be happy with my one child instead of trying to focus on the second that might never be. So I completely feel you there and it's not a fun time. No. So your experiences with the fertility treatments were spread out over a number of years, you know, before you had your daughter and then again when you tried again. Yeah. Who did you speak to about your journey? Did you speak to friends, to your partner? Were you quite private? I think we were quite private at the start. And then once we had Ellie and we had some success, it felt a little less difficult. It was easier to talk about because we had success and we had a baby and that was all very exciting and lovely. I was really lucky when I started my journey that there was a group that we were given access to by the fertility group that we were using. That was a support network. That was people who were going through the IVF as well. So they were all sort of in the same part of the journey as, as you were. And we would meet up and go for a walk and get a coffee. And I still see some of those girls today, which is really lovely. Oh, that's lovely. And can we talk a little bit about the mental load between you and your partner through IVF? What was that like? I have a really beautiful, lovely, supporting partner, but they obviously don't get to share a lot of those other things with you. I think that he took on his own kind of side of things. He was there for me 100%. There are things that he couldn't do. He was great. He gave me the injections when I said, I don't want to see those needles. (laughs) He took a lot of that on and he was much more quiet about it, I think, because he really wanted to be there to support me. And I think that they probably don't show as much of kind of their emotions about what they're feeling and what they're going through because they're trying so hard to be there to support you. And did you decide not to tell some people? How did you decide who to let in and who to kind of keep it private from? I think we really kept it to quite close family when we were cycling. I think the hardest thing is to have to tell people again that it didn't work, you know. So I think the more we went through after Ellie, it was much easier for us to kind of talk about. But I definitely, as you know, the cycles continued and continued and continual fail, that definitely gets really hard to take. And so you, I think I told less people when we were trying again because having to tell them again that it didn't work just, just 
it's hard. So it was really quite close family. But I did love having those IVF girls because they knew they had their own failures and we could commiserate and celebrate together. Yeah, it's a very unique group, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I hope that everybody has something like that, even if it's just some of the online forums. But it's really nice to be able to talk to somebody I totally agree. So for me, I don't know how you related to this, but for me, something I struggled with was the feeling that everyone is pregnant but me. I felt like it was all happening around me and I couldn't make it work. Did you have that feeling and how did you navigate it? I did to some extent. I think that I really tried to put them in two different compartments and kind of go, everybody has their own journey. And I did have some family members who had really difficult births or who had you know, postpartum depression. And sometimes that's all really overwhelming when you can see somebody else's life and you're comparing yours to theirs. And I think for me, it was really important for me to really try to make sure I separated those. That's their life and that's their journey. And it's very different to mine. And it's not fair to compare the two, but it's not easy to do when you have that emotional heartache and you see other people having something that you want very hard. Yeah, it is hard, but very wise of you. I think that's very um, admirable. And so on the flip side, what would be your advice to people that are maybe friends with someone who is going through assisted fertility and they find themselves pregnant and they want to share their joy with their friend or do they? Did you want to hear about your pregnant friends? Did you want them to keep that from you? What's your advice to people supporting people going through IVF? I definitely was excited and happy for all of my friends who were getting pregnant during that time. I really would not have wanted them to hide that from me or I just really would have loved, you know, for them to make sure that they were giving me that space and that time to process it, not necessarily in a big group and to be able to share, you know, my happiness for them, but maybe in my own time. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Now you have your beautiful daughter, Ellie, who's nearly 10 and you're not going under any more fertility treatment, as you said. How do you feel now that you've come to that decision that you're one and done, not particularly by choice, and I've recently come to the same place? How do you feel now? I think it was a really nice place to be in, to actually go, well, I get to enjoy this journey really with her and our bond is really quite strong. I think you'd just kind of put a stop to that and just focus on doing all of the fun things, all of the things that you wanted to have this child for going to their basketball matches, you know, watching them do all those things. You get to pour all of your life into that next part. I guess it's, it's been quite a while. And yet I really just close the door. And I think once you do that, once you kind of get to that point where you can say, I'm really done, this is too much to ask my body to do anymore, and I can move on and enjoy that life that I have. Yeah. I think that's reassuring to a lot of people to know that that is on the other side, that, you know, happiness and gratitude for the one child or whatever may lay ahead. I think for me, that's really reassuring. What advice would you have for someone who is undergoing assisted fertility treatments and probably also navigating friends and colleagues, getting pregnant around them, loved ones, close friends? How do you think the people going through IVF should protect themselves? The biggest thing for me was figuring out where my limits were and learning to say no to things. So if I was in the middle of a cycle and someone was having a baby and I needed to not go and see the baby until I was ready, that it's a-okay to say no to certain events or to certain things or to say to your friends, I love you, I want to come and see you, but I'm not ready to do that yet. 
you really do have to sometimes put that protective cocoon around, especially if you're on hormones and you've got all sorts of other craziness that you have to focus on. I think that was a really important learning curve for me. And there were times where I was at a dinner table and someone was talking about babies and their kids. And I try to, you know, when you're in that moment and you try to change the conversation and it goes back, Mm. I made excuses. I said, oh, I need to go to the bathroom or I'm feeling tired. It's time to go home. It's okay to take yourself out of those situations that are too hard. Yeah, I could not agree more. That is so wise. Amy, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your story. You're very welcome. I hope that helps somebody. Now it's time to hear from our wonderful expert for the week, IVF counsellor, Melissa Stevens. Melissa, welcome back again. And let's chat feelings. There's a lot of big feelings when we're going through IVF. What are some of the most common ones that you see patients come to you and want to discuss and understand? I think overall the most common feeling people have is grief. So it's not only that they're sad that they've not yet been able to fall pregnant. There's also all the losses along the way, like not falling pregnant the way they'd hoped for, feeling they're putting their whole life on hold. They might be staying in the same job, you know, make sure they get mat leave. They're not making plans for trips. They're worrying about their finances. They can also feel really frustrated and angry. Lots of people have had really happy, healthy lives and looked after themselves and they really want to be parents, but this is something that's really out of their control. So it has a huge impact on all their feelings and their self-esteem as well. They sort of start to lose confidence in themselves and their ability and lots of things too. I can relate to literally every scenario you just said. So how do you help people navigate those emotions? I think the best thing that people can do is just acknowledge the emotions and know that they're a really natural response to what's going on in their life at the moment and not be too hard on themselves. It's really understandable that you have all these feelings given what's happening in your life. And often people find if they sit with the emotions from time to time, they're much less likely to be unexpectedly triggered when they're out and about getting on with their life. So they kind of, the emotion surfaces, they go, oh, I know what all that's about. That's okay. I'll just keep plodding along and I'll be all right. Yeah. Okay. So you've got to face it even if you don't want to. I can also relate to that. Now, talk to me about feelings of jealousy or envy. You know, friends are falling pregnant, loved ones are having babies and you're not. Is it normal to feel those feelings when you normally would think you'd be very happy for your friends? It's totally normal to feel like that. And I think it's one of the hardest things that people have to deal with in terms of their feelings because I've had women come in and say, I've turned into this mean, angry, evil person. You know, I seem to want misery for everyone. They really don't. They're so happy that their friends and family are pregnant. But it's just such a reminder of their own sadness and their own kind of stuckness of what's happening in their life. And I think the closer you are to the person, the harder it is. So if it's your sister or your best friend or or another colleague that you spend a lot of time with, that's really tricky because we compare ourselves to people that we're close to and, and their life feels like it's moving along and yours are sort of stuck in one spot. So how does someone going through the IVF journey or fertility journey and maybe they're not where they want to be and their friends are, is there a way they can set boundaries to make sure they look after their emotional and mental health? Yeah, I think just listening to where you're up to. So some days you'll be able to see pregnant friends and you'll be in a good space and where you are in the cycle will be fine and you'll feel quite hopeful and it's okay. So you should catch up with them then. But there'll be other days they'll contact you and you'll think, oh, I can't deal with that today. That's too much for me. If it's too much for you, that's all right. Just take a little break. 
And you don't have to, you know, always answer calls from people checking in or respond straight away to text messages. You can do it at your own pace. And I think that gives you a bit more control of the situation. Definitely day by day. Yeah, for sure. And what about on the flip side? Say you're the close friend that did fall pregnant and your friend is going through IVF. Is there a respectful way to let your friend know that you're pregnant? How should people that are also on a fertility journey and theirs is going well support their friend that maybe isn't? When people sort of say they're thinking about telling their friend, I think they're three quarters of the way there, to be honest, because they're thinking this might be a difficult process for their friend. So telling them maybe one-to-one, not in a crowd, so they've got time to react, maybe giving them a bit of a heads up. You might send them a message, oh, I want to meet you for lunch. I've got some news. And they're preparing themselves. Oh, I think I might know what the news is. Just giving it to them step by step. It's interesting, people doing fertility treatment really worry that they're going to spoil other people's news and they don't want to be the person that's tippy-toed around because they want people to be able to be joyous about their own happy news. So it's quite a tough little line to walk, I think. Absolutely. Melissa, thank you so much. You're a wealth of knowledge. It's been wonderful to chat to you. That's it for this week's episode of Get Me Pregnant. Next week, for the final episode of this season, it's all about sharing the emotional load. There's no doubt, Lee, that we all need a support network, regardless of what it is we're going through in life, but especially when it comes to fertility or infertility and miscarriage, and especially recurrent miscarriage. It is really important to have a network of people or even just that one person that you can unload to. Patients tell me time and time again that they get the most support from someone who's actually been through it, who really understands what you're talking about. If after today's episode you want to get in touch and share your own fertility experience, we would love to hear it. Email podcasts at mamamia.com.au. The executive producer of Get Me Pregnant is Talissa Bazaz, and if you've enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review or rating. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.